All right, we're live. We have one like, and all right. Hi, welcome to today's live stream. So happy you could make it. If you're new to my channel, hi, I'm Gabriel. I am a Catholic YouTuber, and you should definitely subscribe to my channel. Um, hit the post notifications. Apparently, it helps a lot because of all that censorship stuff, whatnot. Like this video also helps a lot. Apparently, I have no idea. I'm really bad at all these things, even though I claim to have studied marketing. So today we have a very special guest. I, I always say that we have special guests on, but today is none other than the admin of, gosh, the last time I had him on, I mispronounced the name, but <laughs> Catholicism, Catholicism, the, the world famous meme page. So... <laughs> Without further ado, we're having Brian on today to talk about his new book, The Shriving Place. Really great stuff. Thoroughly enjoyed it. So, without further ado, let's roll the intro. <laughs> All right. So high tech, I know. Hello, Brian. <laughs> welcome, welcome. Uh... The last time we spoke, I was trying to be a cool guy and doing my podcast in the airport. I was on my way to the U.S., or so I thought, but uh, things yeah. kind of went sideways <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Long story. But here we are with a bit more of a more sophisticated setup, um, a, a lot better than just hanging on to airport Wi-Fi. So... Brian, please uh, introduce yourself. I'm Brian from uh, Catholicism. That's where a lot of people uh, see my content. I've written a couple of books now. Um, we're about to talk about the novella, Shriving Place. And then there's also Stork Sewing Season, which is like a dystopian uh, Catholic, like pro-life fiction. Yeah, I absolutely it. loved both of them. Good. <laughs> I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> yeah, we, I mean, it's the last podcast. You can go back and watch it, but the last podcast was all about basically how we Catholics, we need this stuff. We need this stuff out in the world. Catholic fiction. They, Brian, do you know anyone else who does the sort of thing you're doing with, you know, Catholic fiction? Uh, well, I mean, there's, there's a handful of people, uh, for the most part though, everybody already knows about them. You've got Dr. Taylor. He doesn't do it anymore, but he wrote like a trilogy about St. George. And then you have Matt Frad who, uh, he'll write things and typically he just infuses it with a little bit of Catholicism, but it's not necessarily Catholic fiction. Mm. And then there's, uh, there's a handful of other uh, authors that are more small time like myself, but uh, we're just, we've got like a, a little community building. So it's, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely growing. It's so great to hear. I mean, we need Catholic fiction that isn't the, you know, the <laughs> other than the exorcist. I mean, I think everyone gets it. We Catholics are the experts with all the demon stuff, but come on, we can do other stuff as well. We're literally the bedrock of Western civilization. So, hey, we got more to us. 
Um, hey, another good show. Um, I'm not sure if you've, you've seen it. Daredevil. Have you checked that out before? I did. I did watch Daredevil um, on Netflix back in the day. Uh, it, I was actually surprised by the amount of Catholicism that they, they put into it. I mean, he is a Catholic character, but I thought maybe Netflix would, you know, kind of whitewash it so to speak but they they left a lot of that stuff in (laughs) yeah and i loved it i mean i'm gonna come out with a video on like i don't know something like top 10 catholic moments in daredevil or something because i mean i absolutely loved it i mean gotta (laughs) yeah we need more stuff like that and your book you know striving place it i guess uh, the confessional is a very it's such a it's such a writable can't think of the word but it's such a writable theme to write about it it's, it's a, such a great literary device if you know what i mean the confessional where like, even in story yeah. you had a confessional scene as well and the those are really like the climax of the stories always and absolutely love it so it just it yeah. happened to, it happened like that i mean not to spoil anything but it it definitely i mean there's uh there's a theme of repentance and uh, what 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 would be the word? Uh, what's the what's the word? The I don't know. Just the return to doing what's right and just and whatnot. You know, sort of like a, a prodigal son sort of narrative going yeah. on. You know, yeah, yeah. So I think that's a good. I hate this word segue. <laughs> All these. Uh, now that with COVID, all these companies are all about Zoom meetings, and the word that they always use is segue. Segue. So anyway, I think that's a good segue into what is the book about? Tell us a bit more about the book. I remember the last interview, I just I totally mansplained the book um, synopsis, but this time I want to let you do it. <laughs> well, Striving Place uh, follows the... Uh, the story of a character named Simon, who is a convert to Catholicism in Birmingham, Alabama. He uh, he kind of he converts to Catholicism and he converts to like a traditional Catholicism, Latin Mass. And he has a family and he gets married. He gets married and then has a family. And it's just uh, it, the the book itself is kind of a fusion of him good father caring husband and dad and also him having the second life where he hunts um, clergy who are heretics or pedophiles and he um, I mean he actually hunts them <laughs> so it's just it's it's a it's a strange balance between uh, right and wrong and you know where's the line and whatnot. Sorry, I, I am can't. I am on mute. I'm on mute. Sorry, is that <laughs> is that Lila there in the background that I hear? No, that's my cat. He's being an idiot. <laughs> oh uh, I wish I wish my wife, if she heard me, could put the cats away. <laughs> All right, <Let's> <laughs> maybe someone viewing can DM her like put the cats away. Yeah. <laughs> right. So this story really is it. 
I mean, the title of this live stream is Catholic Vigilantism. So, I mean, I just love this. This is a uh, this is a timeless timeless piece of like entertainment tactic. I would say that this whole idea of the vigilante Robin Robin Hood idea, you know. Everyone loves a story like that, partly because it's something that you can never do in real life. But everyone fantasizes mm-hmm. about doing it. Ever since you were a kid, you just want to be the good guy and, you know, go out yeah. to the streets take, and take yeah, matters into your own <laughs> take hands. Take matters into <laughs> your own hands and, you know, put justice in the streets. So, of course, the first question would be. If this guy Simon was a comic book character, or perhaps was there any character that actually inspired the character of Simon here? Um, I would I would say there's a variety of characters that inspired him. Um, uh, just mostly the anti-hero archetype altogether. It's my favorite kind of character to write because they're conflicted. And they're relatable it's because they're Catholic, imperfect. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And uh, so I, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess, uh, I guess this character was inspired by a mixture of like taxi driver, uh, taxi driver, the that Punisher. Is... <laughs> yeah, taxi driver. It's a taxi movie driver. with uh, Robert De Niro. Oh, yeah. Okay. okay yeah. Sorry. I yeah. Had... I'm a bit, maybe I'm a bit too young for that. I don't know. <laughs> Taxi driver. We all are. <laughs> I was like, uh, yeah, I was expecting something a bit more dramatic than a taxi driver. <laughs> so we have taxi, <laughs> taxi driver. Who, um, can you give me a bit of background in case people watching are not familiar with who on earth taxi driver, this movie. Ta- taxi, taxi driver is just a movie about a dude who comes back from Vietnam, I think. And he comes back to the um, to the life in New York, and he's just disgusted by everything that he sees and like the decay of society. And uh, he kind of he kind of works towards the goal of like making a statement of sorts. And I don't want to spoil anything, but he's kind of like a like an antihero, definitely. All right. Who else um, have you? Is that all? Punisher, I can definitely, uh, I, mean, I definitely see the Punisher those. parallels. You know the Punisher yeah. parallels. When you told me, yeah, like, Punisher, <laughs> Punisher. Yeah, that. there's just um, I, it's just that archetype in general. Um, some someone read it. Uh, Shazam Watkins. He does audiobooks, and one of his audiobooks is for Mike Ma's harassment architecture. I don't know. If you know what that is, but he uh, he read the book and he said that it reminded him a lot of uh, what is that uh, the Boondock Saints. So I guess I guess you could say that was inspired by Boondock Saints, which is a movie. <clears throat> it was like a uh, like a cult movie about a couple of brothers that get like some divine. Uh, mission from god is it an irish um is that the one am i thinking of the right one is it they're irish americans yeah yeah yeah. i i forget where it's set but it's in america and they're just kind of like 
they they have Irish heritage and whatnot, and they they go on. They might actually be Irish, and they go on and they uh, they kill a bunch of mob bosses and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Speaking of this Punisher thing, we were just talking about this that. The Punisher, the character Frank Castle, you know his real name, the Castle Casti Castiglione, probably mm-hmm. butchering the pronunciation Italian. Yeah, so I mean he was raised Catholic. He grew up Catholic, and he was studying to become a priest. You know this Punisher guy, and you know he couldn't. I think the story is he couldn't believe that a there there could be a good God that would allow terrible things to happen which is the you know the most terrible atheist argument out there but yeah you know, that's the story very interesting and alongside that we our have... boy <laughs> yeah our boy aquinas could have patched him up but i guess he didn't get to the to uh, the aquinas yeah probably <laughs> not yeah and we have daredevil if so, anyone out there he hasn't seen daredevil i mean if you're a catholic and you watch netflix and you haven't seen daredevil like what are you doing like daredevil's where it's at the scene the opening scene is literally a confession scene so you gotta check Mm -hmm. that out so um by the way if you're one of the 10 people watching which is great by my numbers um if you have any (laughs) questions leave them in the comment section and i will get to them i'll open up the comments right now to see Oh, we looks like we have quite a bit of fan mail. Um, we have Danny R saying, "Let's go, you got this." Catholicism uh, says, "About to start." Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. Lots of lots of fan mail from. <laughs> <laughs> somebody, somebody actually, they they did a shout out uh, on uh catholic answers like somebody called in and did a shout out and i guess he was like nervous or something he said i want to give a shout out <clears throat> to brian edwards patrick <laughs> so is and this an he... inside <laughs> joke now yeah that's what it is, an inside joke. <laughs> that's great that's great <laughs> right so i see some questions coming up and i'll uh, i'll bring it i'll bring it them up um at the end when we come to the q a but for now, so what's going to happen now is that I'm going to, when as I was reading this book, yes, of course, I read the book. Um, I picked out a bunch of quotes that I just really liked and wanted to talk about. So I'm just going to bring them out and I'm going to read them and give some context, perhaps, and let's talk about it. I want to I know what went on in your head when you spat these lines, man. Sure. <laughs> So the first one we have is all right. What is this? I guess this is when the character realizes that he has a calling to Catholicism. I think and he says, "I felt a calling," he could say, but not in a spiritual sort of way. I had no majestic experience, no angels or trumpets, no Holy Ghost revival, just some kind of realization, I guess. And this, no, this struck me because this is so true in terms of the whole you know in catholicism we always say that the sacraments they work as just by doing done just by doing done even if you don't feel anything and sometimes some something that you feel should be as amazing as like wow you're consuming the literal body blood soul and divinity of christ 
and it just feels mm-hmm. normal and yeah yeah so this really struck me and uh, so what was your what went on in your head that's what i got from it but what went on in your head well i i put a lot of myself into this book um it's almost autobiographical you could say huh. but the uh <clears throat> uh the the conversion process i got a lot of the me, biographical part from the part about family and wife and stuff <laughs> i could totally yeah. picture it what is your wife's name again sorry uh Kristen. Kristen. yeah i, I was just imagining Kristen the way you described everything although the physical appearances were different and i was like wait yeah. okay this seems like a autobiography don't Just tell me he's bit. actually going <laughs> don't tell me he's actually going out there killing priests. I hope not. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> Alright, just to just to put it out there. So you're not doing that. Just, you know, for legal purposes to disclaim that. I've I've not I've not done that. <laughs> what on earth? Why is it doing that again? Um hang on. Give me... <laughs> a little uh a little ad. A little ad break. <laughs> a little ad for Lumix. Oh my goodness. I think it happens sometimes when I pull out another screen, but eh, you know, people mm. be kind. Um, yeah. Th- sorry, we we were talking about this quote. Um, it's just it it's mostly based on my conversion process, which was uh very logical in nature. Uh, there were a lot of feelings and emotions that I didn't feel until afterward, uh, which I find to be sort of a blessing because uh, it's just, it's wonderful to get to savor a conversion, so to speak. But this character, he, uh, he mostly just, he thinks his way into Catholicism and it's not like something that was just, entirely emotional for him you know not entirely but as we'll see a bit later yeah i'm sure there was a bit of well i mean not for you but maybe the character <laughs> we'll get to that we'll yeah. get to that <laughs> so this next uh the next one um but what of my ancestors i'm of broad european ancestry i found it sort of shameful to not be catholic to go my entire life without having been to one of the incredibly decorated churches like go ahead fire away on this man yeah so th- this this kind of builds off of the previous quote uh, he he kind of he kind of started to realize things Catholicism in a deeper more historical perspective and for me personally, that's what happened because um, I, you know, obviously I'm European and the majority of my ancestors were definitely Catholics. I mean, without a doubt, even though my great great grandfather was probably a Protestant before then, everybody in Europe was pretty much Catholic at one point. So it's just, uh, it, it was kind of beautiful because when you go to Mass, the Eucharist transcends like time and space and everything. So you're attending the same mass that your ancestors are present at, you know, it's like just a very surreal moment. And that's kind of, that's kind of what this quote's about. I mean, it's also about like the culture and the tradition and stuff. Uh, The decorated churches, it's just, it's, it's something, 
it's something he wanted to take part in. Yeah, I think a lot of you people know. definitely throw away. They tend to throw away the entire part that the Catholic Church had to do with Western civilization, literally the bedrock of Western civilization. And as you said, you know, <laughs> to attend Mass and imagine... I mean, I can't relate, but <laughs> to imagine, to know that this is the Mass of your ancestors, you know, that's beautiful. Yeah. But at, in the same brushstroke, it's also beautiful because even if my ancestors were not, you know, of this lineage, it's still beautiful to... Come on, what happened to my face? Anyway, it's still so beautiful to imagine that just so beautiful to imagine that this church really is universal, you know, all the way on the mm -hmm. other side of the world, a bunch of pagans who would have, I don't know, been worshipping the sun or something. I mean, literally, down right below my apartment, there are people who burn papers to, during the, what's that, the seven-month anniversary, something to do with the seven-month, and they believe that the gates of hell open, and so they have to burn paper offerings and hell notes. I could mm -hmm. be doing that. Interesting. <laughs> I could be doing that right yeah. now. Yeah, that could very well be you. <laughs> yeah, that could very well be me. That was probably what my my ancestors believed. But well, through the beauty you, of Christ, uh, yeah, you're 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 still in communion with your your brothers and sisters. They exactly. might not have been from Singapore, but they uh, they they definitely are there, and they're saints and. Um, I don't know. It's still it's still very cool that you're attending the same mass that you know Saint Peter and all of them attended and are attending because the the mass is one singular event. So it's, exactly. it's cool. Especially, it's like you're there. <laughs> especially if you attend the Latin mass, it's even closer. So <laughs> just saying. Yeah. <laughs> just saying. Just saying. Uh, right. Um, what is this next one? <laughs> I love this one. I didn't have problems with Mount Rushmore, though. And people travel from all over the world to see those. Mary. Mary is the love interest. Uh, Mary had no issue kneeling before the statue, so I was fine to follow suit. So just first thoughts. I just want to say that this is... How true is it that women are the best converters? Come on, <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Like, definitely. I mean, <laughs> when we, uh, when I was in RCIA, uh, when I was converting, all of the couples there were getting married and it was all female Catholics <laughs> with Protestant husbands that were converting for it. So. Always, <laughs> always. It's yeah. barely the other way around. I, and I think, mm -hmm. I often think it's because one, because men are a bit more logical. They think logically, like your character in the book. Females, they tend to be a bit more emotional, and em they might be a bit more emotionally attached to you know their past and their family and all of that. So men tend to be a bit and more... And it's kind of... Yeah? It's kind of a, a reverse, uh, like a parallel of a uh, Eve offering the fruit to Adam. And yeah, yeah. Sense, you know... The, the female is offering Catholicism or the church to the man and, you know, luring them in. <laughs> you know, and that is the, the spirit of Mary, isn't it? The Marian spirit of undoing the, 
the sin of Eve and bringing Christ to bringing Christ to us. It's beautiful. And yeah, yeah. where do you get a woman like that? <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, <laughs> this whole thing. You, what else was going on in your head? That was just what I thought, you know. Yeah, this is. Oh, oh wait, sorry. And the second reason why is because what was it? Oh yeah, I, I I think it's also because men tend to be more more pursuers. They will, you know, they're more willing to pursue the woman, whereas a, a woman, mm-hmm. the woman isn't. It's not traditionally the way that the woman will go out of her way to pursue the man, and it's often the other way around. That's what I think. That's why. That's why I think it's usually the Catholic female and bringing in the pagan husband. You know. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Any thoughts on that? I mean, I'm just rambling off there. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, it's just you know, men men do have a special uh, a special you know office of being the patriarch, uh, paterfamilias. So, I mean, aside from that, though, um, I think men. I think women have something that men desire, and so men are uh, men are more often willing to pursue that. <laughs> yeah, very well said. Yeah. Uh, anyway, the Mount Rushmore comparison was pretty great, <laughs> mm-hmm. and the whole idea of you know you see the girl you you're madly in love with doing it, and all of a sudden all all of your all of your preconceived notions and stigma against it suddenly goes away, you know? It just, <laughs> well, this hot girl is doing it. I guess I guess I can do it as well. <laughs> well, Mary, she, the character Mary in the book kind of, she is a personification of the purity of the church in a lot of ways. So it's just, it, it's Simon seeing seeing, you know, the church is okay with it and seeing the purity of the church, you know, that, you know, the true church, not the filth within it, but uh, the fact that the church allows it, you know, the veneration of um, saints and whatnot, that he's at peace with it. And it also relates back to his ancestors, you know, like, Grandma Cherry was okay with the saints, and she was okay with praying to Mary and stuff. And Grandma Cherry was excellent. Grandma Cherry is my grandma, but she, <laughs> I'm just saying, like, it's definitely uh, that sort of idea, you know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, that's a definite, that's definitely a deeper way of looking at it. I'm just looking at it from a uh, barely out of my teenage years sort of perspective. So. <laughs> mm. All right. Uh, this one nowadays you'd find yourself in a parish seemingly no different from a southern baptist church maybe with two or three statues hiding somewhere it's interesting that this church would be found in the heart of protestant mecca that's my name for the bible belt end quote right (laughs) protestant mecca did you bring this up when we had our last podcast protestant mecca i'm i'm not sure if i I'm not sure if I named it. I've used I've used that term a few times before. Uh, I don't know if it's my term, but I like to use it. Uh, I think like four percent of Christians 
in my area are Catholic. So it's a it's a oh, wow. tiny minority, and um, everybody else is Protestant. I mean, the Orthodox practically doesn't even exist here. So it's either you're Protestant or you might be Catholic. But you're being a Catholic. There's just as many as like Mormons around here. You know, it's just a strange territory. <laughs> it's funny because in Alabama, from what I know, that's where EWTN was started, wasn't it? Yeah. So how yeah, it's right down the road. <laughs> uh, Mother Angelica said that uh, the Lord led her there uh, for an outreach in the area, but it's been suggested that EWTN, uh, not because of Mother Angelica, but EWTN has kind of forgotten the original purpose of that uh mission (laughs) but i mean how true is it that i mean protestant mecca why bible belt you know like how yeah uh no it's just just very it's just extremely protestant here uh you don't see statues of saints or mary and yards you, if you see a rosary, it's tip, like a rosary in someone's rearview mirror is typically like a Mexican uh, or a Hispanic or something. Uh, it's typically not, you know, like a, like a native Alabamian. Uh, but it's just, it's very Protestant in culture. You don't see any of that stuff. Uh, so it's just kind of weird uh, to this character, Simon, when he found a church that was so extremely Catholic in the middle of all of it. Because most Catholic parishes around here still have like statues and stained glass, but it's a lot more minimal and they were built like post Vatican II. So they kind of have like a more modern uh, appearance, but there's a handful of churches around here, a couple of churches that, you know, still have the high altars and, you know the obsessive, like the, like the almost overboard amount of icons and saints and things. Huh. Yeah. You know, I, you know, being in, originally being in the conservative space, more of I already felt the sort of pressure of being in a sort of a virtual Bible Belt. You know, conservative movement, evangelical Protestants. I already felt that, so I can't imagine living in, you know. <laughs> Well, you you do give a good idea of it, but another thing I I was wondering was I I know that a lot of the Mexicans are I know a lot of them are probably illegal. Am I right to say that? Uh, there's a there's a pretty large number of uh, illegal immigrants around here. I mean, I've I've met and I know them. Yeah. Uh, I've had personal you know, like friendships with them and stuff. But uh, there, there are, I mean, there's legals too. Yeah, yeah. So, there's legals I mean, that, too, was, that, was, that was the question, actually. <laughs> I was wondering, like, like, how is the relationship between local Catholics and these, these guys who, I was thinking, is there like a, any sort of divide? I mean, coming from oh, halfway well they, across the they world, have, you know, I'm trying to understand. There's a lot of parishes around here that offer a Spanish mass. Uh, after the English mass. But when I visited Texas, there were a lot more Hispanics. So uh, it's not quite that dense, 
than it is here. Here it's like it's it's still like a very like balanced mixture of ethnicities, but in Texas it's very Hispanic. So how? So it might be a little different there. I don't know. From so from your experience, how is it like? You know, obviously we're more you know, we're, we would consider ourselves to be pretty tr- traditional conservative Catholics. So when these you know illegal immigrant Catholics come, um, they come into church. How how has it been like? I'm just trying to understand how is it like like how how do they lean whatever politically you know their stances on different things like how is it like like I'm trying <laughs> give me some sort of it's idea. uh it I mean I wish Cruz was here to explain better but they they I definitely do a with him. <laughs> yeah yeah you you should I'll I'll tell him to do so uh, maybe even invite Ricardo on but. <laughs> The uh, the Hispanics, they're definitely, um, they should be conservatives, but they, they're more socially liberal in a lot of ways. Um, they, um, I don't know, they, they should definitely be conservative. And a lot of times they'll be here and after a few years or after they, they get enough of a, you know, security being here or whatnot, they'll become conservative. That's what I thought. That's um, what I thought. I, that, that's, how, that's how it is in, like, Florida. The, I guess the Cubans there or whatnot. But um, a, lot of, a lot of Hispanics buy into the, you know, the Democrats are going to give them citizenship yeah, and yeah. the Democrats are going to open up the borders, and they don't do that. And that wakes a lot of them up. It's just... <laughs> On the right, they're, uh, the the right, like the Republicans, just they are shown to be very hateful in a lot of ways, like you know maybe media bias or whatnot. So they they distrust the Republicans. But the way I look at it is, a bunch of Europeans came over here to the New World, and if they if they they have stopped having children, and if they stop having children, then eventually the the natural residents of this land are going to repopulate and replenish so of course that's just bound to happen either way whether or not the borders open or close huh. interesting take yeah thanks for that because this is something that of course living halfway across across the world i've been trying to understand and hey i should definitely do a do a podcast with ricardo and cruz on this topic um just a quick um break to say that if you're watching you should definitely subscribe so you have this little thing that pops up here subscribe and turn push notifications on of course follow me on social media instagram and of course check out my website in case we get censored we always say that, but I'm honestly not that extreme. I, I'm not that worried. But hey, let's just be safe. Anyway, back to the regular program. What's the next thing we have on? Um, there. All right, this is a deep one. Quote, I, I noticed that pattern of recent history. The good ones die and the perverts seem to escape all confinement of reality. 
A priest married your daughter off to some slightly brown man. It's okay, he's on the porch. Go shoot him. A priest molested your daughter. Oh well, he's gone. He's being re- relocated far away. End quote. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a pretty dark quote. Uh, so this this is actually um, within within the book. There there's a story that kind of explains what what's going on here. Uh, in Birmingham, there was actually a priest back in like the twenties or so. And he was shot to death on the porch because he married some like Baptist minister's daughter, white daughter, off to a Puerto Rican Catholic, and they uh, that didn't that didn't go over too well, unfortunately. It's very sad. Uh, I wish we could canonize that priest because he's definitely a martyr of the faith. Uh, I don't know what the holdup is on that, but um, really, this is just kind of this is kind of just an example um of how like a an analogy of how like evil things happen people are able to do evil things and then it's it's like we barely ever see any of the good you know or righteous judgment so the the guy that shot the priest is unrighteous it's wicked uh, but yet you have a priest who's molesting people and whatnot, and the church relocates them, you know, and it's it's not, you know, a lot of people would want to see a priest, you know, executed or something for doing such things. But, I mean, the church could at least do better than to just hide away scandals and abusers like that, which has happened in the past. So it's just, uh, it's just an example of how bizarre and how horrible things are. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. Oh, I didn't know that the that I read that in the story. I didn't know that it was based off a true story. Wow. God yeah. bless God bless that priest. It happened. Yeah. Goodness. I think it just goes to show that, you know, I think one thing that people don't realize is that we we as Catholics, we we're a hundred percent aware of these things, and we we are mad about it to the point that we're writing books about it. Okay, <laughs> case in point, and I think there are a couple of questions later on that ask, like, what can we do about this? And I think just offhanded, I mean, one thing is we have to acknowledge these things with humility. You know, we can't just be like, ah, oh, no, it's just over-exaggerated. I mean, we, we got to bite the bullet, sort of, you know? And like, yeah, it happens, and it's unfortunate. It doesn't denigrate truth, but it's unfortunate, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. Kristen's, like, whispering something to me. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but the... What is it, Kristen? Um, the church, the church often wants to save face and kind of not make, you know, a bad appearance in the media. The charger downstairs, sorry. Uh, but they they try they try to they try to keep scandal out of the public eye, yeah. and that's understandable. But that's not what we should do. You know, we should we should show by example like how vigilant we are to combat such things. And previously, 
in the early church and whatnot, there would be uh, there would be a priest or a monk or whatever. And if he was caught in a homosexual act of any sort, he would be given a uh, like prayer and fasting xerophagy, uh, which is like a highly restrictive diet for years. And it was a punishment. And that's not even like molestation or anything. You know, that was just a very strict, harsh punishment on that priest. And um, I think if the church, if the church dealt with things in a more strict way, we'd be a lot better off uh, and people would have a lot more respect. But at the same time, they, um, you know, the people are still going to hate the Catholic church. So either way, um, we're still going to get persecuted, even if we do things perfectly. But with the um lost my train of thought i'm sorry we get the idea yeah it's definitely yeah we we have to we have to acknowledge these things Kristen, what is it <laughs> <laughs> giving her a chance to speak what uh she she ran away <laughs> did, did she get what she needed yeah, I I needed the MacBook charger, and she ran and got that. But. Oh right, <laughs> all right. Um, what's the next one? Oh, speaking of which, um, this is something I uh brought up last last minute. Uh, this quote: Your mother's job is to be a mother. Someone has to make money for us, for y'all's food, for this house you live in. And I, I just wanted to ask, you know, I mean, as a young guy asking. Is this something common? Like, what do you think of the importance of having the, the presence of the father at home? We all talk about the importance of having a mother at home to take care of the kids and nurture them. And of course, fatherhood yeah. presence is important, but how much presence exactly? I'm sorry, I'm having a. She didn't actually plug this in for me. Uh, I'll get it's it in a good. second. But uh, the the father the father's presence in the family is very important, and I actually don't agree with Simon uh, leaving so often. I think that's one of his blind sides. Um, but you see, you see families that have no father figure due to divorce or something. I have like personal friends, like friends from my my high school and whatnot. Uh, their their lives are just kind of like empty of motivation and drive and ambition and dream and whatnot. They it's just it really affects people. Like it really affects especially men and women. I mean, girls grow up didn't have father around, and they and do that's all where kinds you get the things, term you know? daddy issues. So yeah, definitely. And uh, I don't know. I think I think our generation in a lot of ways is a generation of bastards uh we <laughs> and of course we we will always have the father in heaven but uh a lot of a lot of people today are failed by the 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 lack of a father figure in the home and they're also failed by the lack of a good priest you know um which is you know fa- uh priests or fathers so we just we're kind of we're kind of in a 
we're kind of lost in a desert right now. You know, so it's very important for the dad to be around. Sure. Do you, do you need to go plug in your MacBook? Did you successfully yeah, let do me, it? Yeah, <laughs> let me go ahead and do that. Go ahead and do that. Yeah, I mean, just, yeah, I can definitely testify to whatever you said. I mean, I personally come from a single mom um, background, so it's it's true. I mean, for those watching, it's definitely true. All the things that they say about the importance of having a father figure, I mean... I can't say anything else aside from the fact that all everything they say is definitely true. It's so important for fathers, you know, to be around. But, you know, I was wondering how how around, because I don't have anything to base it off, but how around should a father be? You know, you have to go out and work. But, you know, how around is a father expected or should a father be home, you know? Uh, well, you know just just for starters a a childhood's uh catechesis their their training learning the faith learning morals and whatnot begins in the home it doesn't begin at church yeah, yeah. a father needs to be around to uh help teach those things by not just the words out of his mouth but by example uh, you know so that the kids can watch I mean, it's just, it's very important that dad's around, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Anyway, um, I'm going to take a commercial break because I want to keep the lights on. So, I feel like a YouTuber now. And this ad is, full disclosure, this ad is for myself. <laughs> so, if you're a conservative content creator, I'm sure you're aware by now that big tech could destroy your career in a click of a button. And this is why more and more creators are turning to personal platforms that they actually own and have full control over. You too can have a place where your audience can find you no matter what, free from third party algorithms or censorship. You can even have your own very own inbuilt Patreon platform. I have one myself. I'll pull it up right now. There we go. Your very own inbuilt Patreon platform, so you'll never have to be at the mercy of that leftist company of Patreon again. So don't rely on big tech to reach your audience. Have your own platform. Grow up and stop renting space from big tech and buy some virtual real estate that you actually own. It really costs less than you think. So to find out more, Head over to gxamedia.com or send me an email. I'll take you through a step-by-step -step process to create your very own platform free from big tech censorship. Now, back to the regular programming. Right, so let's get back into the quotes. <laughs> this quote, God does not make you a sinner. God does not make you gay any more than he makes you a pedophile. The world does that. Abuse does that. You do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's a. It there, is what it is, really. <laughs> I'll say. I'll say that a lot of the sex abuse, I think, is related directly to uh, sexual liberation, and the the fact that we've become so morally decayed as a society that. Uh, you know, it's like a slippery slope, a uh, domino effect. 
you allow this, you allow that. Eventually, you're going to allow other things, more heinous crimes against humanity. And pedophilia is just that. And the kind of the the cushy approach to homosexuality and what we see in the church today calling uh homosexuality something that god you know intended for you to have is just incorrect yeah, it's, the whole it's heretical born this way yeah um, the born this way argument yeah well <clears throat> the majority i think i think a good uh percentage of homosexuals have learned in one way or another to become homosexual i don't think that people are necessarily born with it always if they are born with it, it's a, it's due to original sin, which is which is something that affects all of us at first. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's a given. That's not necessarily something God programmed you with. You know, you could like I I could be predisposed to alcoholism. God doesn't want me to be an alcoholic, you know. Uh there's just We've got to we've got to strive as Christians to do better and to please God. He's not pleased in this way. Uh, there's there's no fruit from homosexuality. Um, heterosexual couples alone can you know reproduce. So I mean I feel like that's nature's way of showing us what has fruit and what doesn't. Um, but as this quote says, the world does that, abuse does that, you do that. Uh, you do that, you know, it's a personal decision. You can't abstain from these actions. Abuse does that. A lot of these homosexuals have abuse in their background, uh, especially the pedophiles. They were themselves abused and they kind of, they kind of uh, replicate this in their own behavior and decisions. Yeah, of course. And as you said, you always have, I mean, God gave us free will for a reason, and, and you know the ar- the whole argument of you know it's not really their fault. It, it uh, it's not exactly the best argument because uh, you can have been abused and you could have you know have had things happen to you, but yet yeah, the choice is you know the choice is still yours. It's a very complicated topic, and we can have a whole other podcast on the responsibility of this but it just boils down to i think the main point is that god doesn't make god doesn't make people pedophiles or gay or you know god doesn't make you sin that if that is so that's not god i don't know what god you have Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah right and people are preaching that right now in church there's plenty of uh there's plenty of priests that are teaching that. I mean, I'll say that they're the fringe, but it's definitely becoming more and more, uh, more and more often that they do that. It's really unfortunate. I mean, look at Germany. Yeah. Germany's awful right now. Um, what did they just say? They said something about having like giving Protestants the sacraments or something. Oh, wow. Yeah. The fact that we have heard two different things. The one I heard was that, you know, the German 
some high-ranking bishop says that he has great hope for homosexual unions or something like that. Oh, something to do. Yeah, with yeah, I heard that. Yeah, yeah, it's terrible in Germany. I have friends who you know they grew up Catholic and they they're conservative, but because they see the state of the German church, that is what they think of Catholicism, and they leave the church completely. Even though you know, if they were in America, they would definitely be Catholic. But just because of what they've seen, they just completely hate the they just hate the church as an institution because that's what they see and that's mm-hmm. terrible come on Germany get your act together gosh <sighs> yeah they're uh they're on the verge of schism so <laughs> I don't think are. it'll be I, I don't think we'll have to worry about that that look for long I think they'll become their own thing yeah, um, my, my priest, we were having a conversation once uh, with another guy, and he was like, you know, um, I think Germany, they're starting this new Protestant church or something, and the priest was like, what do you mean? They already have a Protestant church. <laughs> referring mm-hmm. to, you know, <laughs> very true. Anyway, so this quote, next one would be... <clears throat> Oh, okay. Context. So this is when Simon he he finally says that he wants to convert to Catholicism. So the priest asked him why. The priest asked, winking at me. He knew Mary probably had a large part in it. <laughs> Seems like a nice alternative to hell, he said. Do you have any proof of a Christian baptism? Proof? Have you been baptized? Yes, probably about three times. The priest rolled his eyes. I, I mean, I added yeah. this for just because of the humor of it. Is this a legit thing? I mean, I, I yeah. Have you? Yeah, I think honestly, I think you? I, I've been baptized multiple times in my life. Because <laughs> uh, I think Protestants just they don't they have a very poor understanding yeah. of sacraments. Yeah, and. It's not that we, it's not like they deny that. I don't know. They they have a very bad understanding. That's all it is. Um, They don't know if a thing is a symbol or if something is actually required or a metaphor. It's just, it's it's a mess. (laughs) And that's, uh, that's something that you actually see a lot around here people that get baptized 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 oh, over wow. and over again hey, yeah. every church you go to you get baptized again <laughs> catholics you know we believe in one baptism yeah. for forgiveness of sin but we walk through the church door uh, every time for mass and we we do the sign of the cross with the um with the holy water and that's a a reminder of that so we <clears throat> you know, naturally don't feel like we need to be baptized over and over again because we always remind ourselves that we are baptized. Wait, is that a thing? Like, do they get baptized over and over again on purpose? Like, really? Like, uh, They, I mean, not not so drastically, oh. but yeah, they, like, I mean, people... Is, like people a, is it like a sort of how married couples renew their vows? Do they treat it yeah. as something like it's, that? It's kind of... Yeah, it's similar to that. Oh, wow. Or they, okay, that you know, because know. they don't, they they don't believe in confession. So, 
often if they if they get baptized as like a teenager and then they go through a life of sin and debauchery and oh. stuff they'll be like i want to get right with jesus and they're like oh well i need another baptism oh. and they they kind of do it like that so it's just Oh, <laughs> yeah the last interview i had with um catholic gabe um that's his username his name obviously isn't catholic gabe yeah catholic gabe he he's a convert and he was telling me that yeah he too got baptized multiple times i was telling him wow you probably <laughs> undid your own baptism by <laughs> redoing it so many times you know like a double negative or mm-hmm. something no idea how that works but yeah i mean for those of you out there watching who don't know in Catholicism, once you get baptized, be it whether or not it's in the Catholic Church, if you're if you're baptized in a Protestant church, if you're baptized in the Trinitarian formula, the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, you're you're baptized. We can't do it again. So sometimes if you, you can't, can't undo it either. Yeah, you can't undo it either. So you can't say, I'm not a, you know, you can't renounce it. So Yeah, if you if you go through a little Wiccan phase or something <laughs> and you wanna yeah. renounce god's ownership over your mind your body soul. and soul you can't not do it working man not working you you might you might die and go to hell but you can <laughs> repent of that so if you change your mind later we'll be here <laughs> yeah 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 um what was i gonna say um i have lost my train of thought but anyway um next quote <laughs> This <laughs> this is uh, definitely leaning more into the political side, which is a bit more juicy, so let's get into it. The, the liberal white Christians ramble mindlessly about God as if they're experts after never attending church. I never understood why they insist on making themselves authority on morality. They don't think of decency. Not really. Their brains are sponges for celebrity opinions and television programming. After COVID, many people continued sporting small coverings <laughs> over their faces as if they weren't fornicating with strangers, trying new designer drugs, or eating nothing but slices of pizza every day. That was a great jab. <laughs> weren't fornicating yeah. with strangers. Yeah, sure, <laughs> wear a mask when you're literally, I don't know, spreading HIV or stuff. There was this yeah. tweet that I saw. Like you want like you want to show your medical records uh, why not show your like hiv records <laughs> yeah no definitely it's uh it's it's bizarre man uh i think it's just an example of how sheepish everybody is which that's always been a quality of humanity but it's just it's in the wrong direction now and it's just it's uh it's hard to watch you know very difficult to watch um i am preached to all the time about you know covid and social distancing and stuff like that and then these people huh well i'm you know just generally speaking like we are preached to by Mm. these people and then you go and you you look at this person not to be judgmental or anything but they're they are um they're like poster children, all of them, you know, it's like they've been cut out of the same mold and everything. It's just like, what, what happened to everybody's individuality and what happened 
what happened to authenticity you know well they they, they, that is their definition of being unique and authentic to them so yeah they, they get to have their very own you know personal uh face mask with their own design on it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> their own political statement it's wonderful oh yeah oh yeah they are you know i have a video coming out about this people there are literally people out there whose entire ideology they it matches up with the status quo of what literally every corporation every media outlet every celebrity is saying and they speak out about it like there's some sort of rebel with like there's some sort of they think that they're a vigilante, you know, a real vigilante mm-hmm. goes out and kills pedophile priests. <laughs> I'm joking. Yeah. But yeah, they, they think there's some, they think they're real special by wearing their mask. <sighs> Good guys. <laughs> uh, this next one. This is what we were referring to earlier about how confession is such a such a great literary device, you know. Uh, and this is in the entire book. I think this was definitely the most relatable quote. Um, quote: I think hard, hard as I can about the past six months, and really, it's not also spotless, not as immaculate as the fogginess of my own mind. I know for a fact that there are tens of thousands of sins. Um, probably continues on, but I t- didn't copy it. But yeah, this is so relatable. Come on, like every confession. I guess this is what happens when you don't discipline yourself and make a proper examination of conscience and stuff. But, you know, I find myself every confession, I examine my conscience and I pick out the, you know, the usual sins and... And sometimes the worst is the the worst the worst culprit of when this comes up is when you stop committing those sins that you, that you always commit, and now you somehow because in relativity because you've been focusing on those same sins for the past I don't know how many months now you don't have that sin anymore, and now you just mm-hmm. forgot about all the other other sins and I think this is yeah. this is. <laughs> first world problem but you know catholic version yeah well you uh you you get rid of particular sins especially sins that men are troubled with these days you know sins of the flesh you you get rid of those eventually you conquer that side of yourself and then you come to what you think is like the summit or whatever you know like you're you're over the top of the hill now and it's like wow, I'm like horrible. I've got (laughs) anger issues. I have wrath and hatred in me. I hate people. I'll judge somebody, you know, some, um, I I'll judge them for their sins for being an occasion of sin for myself. But, you know, it's like, they, they just, they don't even know, you know, it's like, you've got to, you've, you've, you've got to meditate on your, like the nature of your sins beyond what you know your daily struggles are uh i think it's very important to get to the root of those problems and try to try to walk with christ in that you know kind of listen to jesus you know because we're we're very imperfect and we're judgmental hateful creatures and we just we've got to we've got to exercise a little bit more love 
when it comes to sin, because uh, a lot of our a lot of our sins we're not even we're not even noticing because we are addicted to things, you know, and we think that that's like the only sin we have in our life. And a lot of times you'll go through your life and you're like, well, I sinned real big last week when I got blackout wasted. And you forget about all the other little sins and big sins in between that you don't even, you don't even think about that. And if we want to be sanctified, we're called to holiness and to sainthood. We've got to recognize that we're very imperfect. Exactly. And I think this is definitely a wake up call to when you think about it that way it's such a wake-up call when you think that well say you're struggling with things like pornography and masturbation and you you know that is just you're barely scratching the surface i i guess because think about it if you get rid of those two like those two main sins in your life you get rid of those and you find that you've you have a multitude of other sins so think about it all along you've been so focused on these particular sins and you don't even notice that this is how much sin you think you're dealing with this is the amount of sin you're really dealing with so if you don't even if you can't even get over these little not little these main ones that you constantly struggle with then imagine like you're more you're in more trouble than you than you realize and it's such a wake up yeah. call when you think about it wow that's why when i go to confession i always uh, i do what padre pio did and i ask when i finish my confessions and list or confession listing the sins i'll say i also seek forgiveness for sins that i've committed that yeah. i've forgotten about or am unaware of that offend God. So exactly. it's important to include that. That yeah. will give you a little more peace of mind too. Yeah, yeah. I was actually taught to do that. I, I didn't know it wasn't standard practice. Is it not? No. Oh. I mean, it might it might not be. I, I have people that that's news to them all the time that huh. I talk to on Catholicism. Huh. Really? Huh. Should make a post about yeah. it. <laughs> well, but that but that's not a shortcut because sometimes people use that as a shortcut like oh, I'm just gonna shove all those other sins that I don't really want to talk about and shove it, no. and shove it in. The, gotta uh, die, gotta <laughs> uh, yeah, wow, that, yeah, that was a great one. And I think I have one last quote, which is a heavy, long one. This, <laughs> I think you covered this on the whole slippery slope thing, but I'm just gonna read it out. Mm-hmm. So quote. It's not a question of gay marriage, which shouldn't be a question whatsoever, but it's a question of what's next? How far is the culture from pedophilia? How long before people aren't even apologized to? It's a natural sexual preference, they will say. It's beyond our realm of understanding. They're not evil. They're humans, too. They make TV shows sexualizing children, and the devils come out to defend them. The blue check marks aren't hiding their opinions, but broadcasting them for all to read, for all to agree. Eventually, the hive mind is at work, and the general the general population is receiving their updates. They will comply with every disgusting thing they put out. The bad ones, referring to the bad priests, will be there to guide religious down such a dark, dismal road as well. 
another one of those really deep dark quotes that you had in there you, you i think you have a talent for dropping these lines you know oh well, thank you <laughs> i uh, i appreciate that it's just uh yeah uh, i was writing this it's just after the the whole cuties incident with netflix mm. and the sexualization of the little girls and um <clears throat> when that happened you know, of course, the majority of people were pissed off about it, but you had a lot of apologists for this sort of um, media, a lot of people that enjoyed it because they're, you know, they're sick. And um, you have blue check marks refer, someone didn't know what that meant. That's like the verified yeah. people on t social media. Um people that, you know, have a little bit of authority to what they say, you know, because social media deems so. Um, and they'll come out and they they leave, they, they'll defend it for whatever reason. You know, they'll put their own demented opinion on it and people take it as like a new, it's like a new Bible verse from the blue check mark, you know, it's oh gospel truth to the sheeple. So it's just, and people might think this is, beyond belief that pedophilia would be normalized one day, but no. it has in previous cultures, you know, ancient Rome, ancient Greece, all of these different cultures had pedophilia or pedophilia at one point normalized. And typically it was around or close to the fall of their society. So it's like, it's like bottom of the barrel. Like once we get there, we're going to see a lot of nasty stuff and it's just, it's not going to last too long. Uh, I don't think, I think uh, those things often lead to quick destruction and hopefully a quick uh, uh, rebirth, you know, renaissance of sorts of the soul. All good there? Yeah, I don't, I don't know what that noise is. I think it's a cat. <laughs> All right. All right, let's get into the Q&A. Mm, we had some comments from the Instagram polls. So let's pull up this first one. Have any victims of abuse in the church made comments on the book? Uh, actually, when I was writing the book, I wanted to be very cautious about yeah, yeah. the way I depicted things. <clears throat> so I had made like a little ad on my page for people who had been abuse victims of sorts. And I talked to probably like a dozen different women um, about this problem and their experiences and how it affected them and stuff. And I also, I think I had some of them read passages and whatnot to uh, what sensitivity readers, I think, or something, some term like that. But they, they, they read through it and whatnot. I just wanted to approach it very carefully. But uh, no, no victims of the church have made any comments on it. I think there was one woman that helped me uh, that was an like was a victim in the church, um, but it was more her just shining a light on you know her experience and whatnot for me to pull from. So when you made the poll uh, for people to read through the stuff and the people reached out, were they, they, they weren't, they were victims of sexual abuse in general? Yeah, most of them were sexual abuse in general. I think one or two of them were within the church. Huh. Wow. 
And yeah. like in your pool of followers, like what were the numbers like? Just curious. It, it wasn't many and there probably is more people that are, yeah, uh, of course, you know, survivors within my following. But uh, the ones that wanted to speak or were comfortable enough, I mean, it was probably like a dozen, a dozen people. For sure. Okay. So this one. Okay, this one. I think, I, I mean, I'll take this one. How to defend the faith and some Filipinos on Twitter. <laughs> Twitter, gosh. Accuse the church of colonizing my country. Well, I think you don't really have to defend the faith per se. I think you just have to defend the, like, where would the Philippines be if if it weren't for the Spanish? Yeah, where definitely. I mean, the, the Philippines question. Philippines would probably look more, uh, more secular, um, probably would have ended up more like Vietnam or something, yeah, yeah. you know? And, you know... I mean, um, it's a blessing. It honestly, I mean, not even to defend the church or anything, but it's a great blessing that they were colonized by the Spanish. That There might have been some sins and some blood spilled. I'm not sure about the Philippines in particular, but without uh, Western colonization, I mean, what would what would the ethics of the country look like? What would the laws look like? What would the actual, um, um, you know, what would the at, actual like happiness you know the the life the there prosperity, like. I guess. Yeah, yeah um it's the same for singapore as well you know um funny thing in singapore i think singapore does a decent job they don't like they don't villainize the colonial history in fact they kind of worship it uh as a story for really? another day but i think the philippines you know I mean, this is not to be offensive, but we all know that the Philippines, like, it is, uh, is it, I'm not sure if it is classified as a third world country. I think it is. So, as it is, it is a third world country. It has made a lot of progress in, you know, the recent years. But think about where the Philippines would be if it weren't colonized. <laughs> you wouldn't, like, just think about it. If it's already, if right now it's a third world country it, it would it would have <laughs> been the muslims if it if i mean there oh, are yeah. there is there is islam that's true it would have been it would have been the muslims you're right you're it right. would have absolutely been a muslim like a totally muslim country and this person whoever doesn't appreciate the church's colonization of the philippines would surely not appreciate the muslim called philippines it'd be a lot different <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think that would be, they would have definitely, between the Catholic Church and, uh, I think there's a, there's a, it's an obvious choice there, and by the way, um, I, well, I personally yeah. like pork and alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. Yeah, um, per, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it right, Parado Arts, he makes great art, so shout out to him on Instagram, great stuff there. Um and oh another question by him how can we address the supposed abuses in the church reported by the media as I said earlier I think one thing is to approach with humility you know we have to we we have to just say it and, yeah it's true like we can't deny it you know? yeah um 
I think the church can take care of itself. We don't have to. We don't. We don't have to bend over backwards and pretend things yeah. don't happen within the church. Um, we can definitely be very honest about it, but it would be nice if the media was honest about it yeah. because there is an abuse problem all across humanity in every institution. Yeah. And Pope Francis has been, he, I think, I don't know. I mean, I, I think he's been a little bit more uh, transparent about this. Somebody might correct me, but he, he's, he, he's given us statistics and everything about, you know, what percentage of the priesthood is abusers made up of abusers. So, I mean, it's just, we've got to, we've just got to be more honest and hope that the church does a better job addressing these problems. Yeah. So, right. I think that's a good point. We don't have to bend over backwards to defend it. Church can take care of itself. It is the mm-hmm. largest, one of the largest, most powerful institutions in the world, you know? <laughs> All right. I'm, I'm here for Jesus. I'm not here for the way that Pope, whoever handled a particular scandal, you know? Exactly. <laughs> and where is Jesus? In the Eucharist, who else has this, man? <laughs> I'm not to say that Jesus is only in the Eucharist, but where else can you get him in physical <laughs> form, you know? So beautiful. Yeah. I, just, I just wrote a poem that I posted on Instagram about that. So beautiful when you realize I did that. see that. It was very nice. You did an excellent job with that. Thank you. Thank very you. Very good. <laughs> very good stuff. All right. Um, so, Stork, your previous book doesn't deal with the morality of blowing up empty empty clinics uh that's the thing yeah. they, they weren't empty were they yeah they weren't they weren't empty uh a bit of background first like just some background a little a little bit of a spoiler but it's okay <laughs> uh well in stork you have a group of like radicalized catholics and other christians and just conservatives in general called the zealots and uh one of their one of their goals is to you know, send shockwaves into the world. And that is by blowing up abortion clinics, practically abortion clinics. I mean, that's not what they are, but that's what happened in the book. And um, we explore the morality behind that in that book. And I think, I don't know, blowing up blowing up empty clinics is still is still not justifiable in my opinion um we need to ban those practices we need to get rid of them but i mean i don't know you just there's so many sins so many gray areas and stuff it's just it's difficult to say really but i wouldn't advise anybody to do that (laughs) (laughs) yeah just a disclaimer, you know, don't, yeah, don't go blow we, up. We, we do not, we don't condone this whatsoever. It's just fiction, you know, that's the point of fiction. It's to, <laughs> it's to bring what can't necessarily yeah. be done in real life to let the imagination run wild, you know. <laughs> mm. All right. Why don't victims report priests to the secular authorities? I think you touched a bit on this just now yeah we um i think i think a lot of parents and a lot of abuse victims they don't want to be sensationalized by the media they want to kind of be discreet about it but um you could say it's the wrong call 
I think that priest should be dealt with by the law to the full full extent of the law uh, in this particular instance, especially. But uh, I don't know. I think it's usually people are just trying to avoid scandal and sensationalism. But uh, I don't know. I mean, I can't, I can't, I can't speak on it. You know, I'm not an abuse victim yeah, yeah. myself. Nobody in my family is. I can't say whether or not I would do that or the other. Um, I think there's also, and not to detract from anybody's experience, but I think there is a percentage of people out there that make false claims. And they go to the church because they want to pay out. They don't want justice because there's no justice to be done on something that didn't happen, you know? Hmm. Yeah, that's a good answer. Yeah, I think there, there's definitely a, a fear factor as well, as along with the whole... I mean, I guess as a faithful Catholic you've been abused by a priest and perhaps as a faithful Catholic, you also don't necessarily want to drag your entire church down with, you know, I think many victims, they probably understand that, you know, it's this priest was a terrible guy, probably will go to hell, but you know, the church is still the church and I don't want to be the, the guy who just causes another scandal and causes more people to leave the church. And I think that's also another factor that plays in. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. All right. Uh, oh, I think we had a comment. <laughs> Someone says, how dare you spoil a stork? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, sorry. It wasn't that it's bad. Not a spoiled. Spoiler, it's that not spoiled. It's not spoiled. I mean, you you find out pretty early on in the book that their goal is to you know yeah, attack yeah. in that <laughs> that way in that particular way. Is oh. the Shriving Place based on a true story? I would say it is a uh, what what what's the word? It's a collection. You know, it's a it's it's a combination of things. You know, it's a combination of fact and fiction and history. <laughs> You know, there's a lot of history in the book. You know, the the story practically writes itself in a way. Um, <clears throat> I would not say it's autobiographical, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I would hope not. <laughs> yeah, I'd be a bit worried if it was. Anyway, yeah. I don't I don't travel for my job, so. Okay, yeah, that's evidence enough. <laughs> <laughs> or sell medical equipment, so to say. Yeah. So, any any final points you want to add on there before we end off? No, I just I'm I'm really appreciative for this uh, this opportunity, and I would encourage everybody to go buy and read my books. Um, yes, yes. I think you'll enjoy them. The link to <laughs> buy his book is um, right below in the description already. So yeah, even well, if you, you you're not in the u.s there's a kindle version i always get the kindle version because i'm usually by the time there's I'm... also oh yeah there's also other bookstores uh that provide them oh. so if books a million or the um what is it called the book depository all these different uh companies and whatnot they'll have the books in stock and you great. can order through there great yeah. check them out there also follow Catholicism for, I mean, best 
Catholic memes on Instagram. <laughs> Anything else? No, that's that's it. I think. <laughs> All right. So I mean, final words. If you have not subscribed, of course subscribe please come on um i'm probably gonna lose a lot of i started out youtube doing music videos half of my subscribers are here from my music so probably they're gonna see this kid uploading a whole bunch of catholic stuff and they're gonna be like what the heck is this they're gonna start unsubscribing you're gonna see my numbers turn from 800 to i don't know 300 so do subscribe um don't don't make me sad you know that would be really sad if i lose half my subscribers uh follow me on social media uh instagram that's where i'm most active my website it's where i put everything and of course as i mentioned earlier i'm a web designer i can replace your patreon really cool you don't have to rely on that if you want to if you want to create content and not rely on patreon for your monthly paycheck so hit me up on that, gxcmedia.com, or send me a message, and we can see how we can work together. All right, um, with that, that said, thanks so much for watching. Ryan, I really appreciate you coming on. Really appreciate the enthusiasm. It means the world in this world of Catholic Instagram. You always never fail to make me feel welcomed. So <laughs> really appreciate it, really, from the bottom of my, bottom of my heart. Thank you. So... Well, thank you for having me yeah so i'll see all of you next week i upload pretty regularly now very proud of that so i will see you next week on the catechism diaries same time same place and don't forget to buy brian's book apparently you get an indulgence um, i'm joking but all <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> oh, well uh, all right S let's end this uh,